1: Led by his manager, uh-huh. Bobby the Brain Heenan from Brooklyn, New York, weighing 248 pounds. Here is the Brooklyn
0: Brawler, Steve Lombardi.
1: Well, I suppose Heenan's philosophy is he can take
0: someone like Vegas,
1: Nevada, Lombardi and make a star out
0: of it. Well, let me ask you Bridget. this, McMahon. If he does will you put some of your lavish praise upon Bobby the brain Heenan?
1: indeed yes yes absolutely i mean i think the red rooster really pretty much wow, oh look at that. that
0: i could tell heenan's influence already indeed on lombardi come on, boy come on we had
1: an occasion to speak with the red rooster a little bit earlier on here's what he had to say It all started with two words, Brain. Trust me. Well, I did, I turned my life over to you and I end up getting stitches in my head. I get embarrassed on television by your brawler. Well, I can tell you one thing, brawler, I'm going straight through you to get to the brain. Trust me. Rooster, obviously looking forward to the opportunity of uh, colliding with the brawler,
0: or Steve Lombardi, if you will. I think we should call him the Brooklyn brawler because this is a whole new Lombardi I'm seeing right here the aggressiveness out of him, you can just feel the confidence just coming out of the old Steve Lombardi, the new Brooklyn brawler. And you attribute all of that, of course, to Bobby the Brain Heenan's presence. Why else? You give me another reason oh, right no, now. It's the only one I can think of. another reason. It's the only one I can think of. It shows me right there the influence that Heenan has on a wrestler. He can take an average, mediocre wrestler and turn him into a possible champion. I don't think, however, that was the
1: case with the Red Rooster. The rooster has, is a multi-talented individual. He claimed that the rooster was
0: limited. I didn't see that at all. I did. I see the rooster is limited in size, limited in speed, limited in ability. He was doing tremendously well with Heenan. Now we'll find out how well he does without Heenan.
1: And the brawler doing very well for himself listening to Heena now. He's asking to turn him over. Geez, you might as well have remote control there. with a uh, Little radio device in the ear of the brawler, connected to Bobby the Brain Heenan. he just telling him everything to do. What's this?
0: Come on, let him what is? Whoa! From the top rope. Oh! That is a new move I've ever seen out of the Brooklyn Brawler, yeah, the dude. former Steve Lombardi.
1: Bobby Heenan, big smile on his face. Here's your winner, the Brooklyn Brawler.
0: Look at that, McMahon. Heenan takes him over, and Lombardi gets a notch in the win column. That's simple. Yep, I guess you're right. Yeah, Bobby Heenan. Come oh, come on.
1: Get away from me.
0: See you, man. Yeah, I heard it. Here's a replay here. You see the Brooklyn Brawler suplex. Bam! Coming down off the top on Reno Riggins and a big win for the Brawler. how about that?
2: Hello and welcome to the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. I am your host, JP John Paz, and on the show today for our feature episode, a part of the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling's Podcasting Empire, we have none other than a WWF legend, a WWF superstar that was around the world of the WWE for over 30 years, and that is the one and only a Brooklyn Brawler, a Steve Lombardi. Finally, get him on and join the show. And we were talking about this weekend. He's got a lot going on. A couple of huge signings starting off Sunday, 9:20 from 10 a.m. and that is the Happy Hour with. Captain's Corner. Yes, our buddy Nick over at Captain's Corner has the Brooklyn Brawler doing a great virtual signing. You can go to Facebook Live, that is Captain's Corner's page, and then you will see the Facebook Live. It will be awesome because, man, does he have some great stuff available for auction? Obviously, he'll be signing pictures and doing a lot of other things, cards and other WBF memorabilia throughout the years. But. The real crux and the real key to this virtual signing, I think, is the special items that will be on sale for auction. The original Doink the Clown outfit. This is unbelievable. If you go to Captain's Corner's Facebook page right now, you'll see it on there. Unbelievable stuff. I mean, this is the actual outfit that Matt Bourne had. And we'll get to the story in the interview about why Brooklyn Brawler has that outfit, how he was actually Doink, how he wrestled Bret Hart as Doink, and obviously was Doink many times, but it's specifically how he came to get that outfit. If you're a true WBF collector, if you're a true fan, if you're a memorabilia hunter, you will absolutely fall in love with that piece because it is the original real deal Matt Born evil doink the clown outfit so cool he's also got abe knuckleball schwartz the infamous gimmick from the mid-90s WWF. he's got that outfit available for sale as well which is cool as hell and he's got the shirt the brooklyn brawler yankee shirt from november of 1997 when he fought Shawn michaels for the wwf world heavyweight championship in madison square garden we'll get the whole story Behind why he's in that match. We'll get the whole story about that outfit. But really, if you're a true fan, true collector, I cannot kind of stress this enough. Get on Captain's Corner, 10 a.m., Sunday the 20th, on that Facebook Live. You will love that virtual signing, and you're going to want to jump on all those awesome items. There's a starting point which you will find out that day and then each increment I believe will go up by $20 so really get your uh, your checkbooks out and get ready for uh, some payments on that that is going to be awesome. So the story of why he has that ma- why he's in that match with Shawn Michaels in MSG in 97 is interesting It involves Ken Shamrock and injury winning a battle royal at the uh, September MSG show in 97. So, really kind of cool stuff, and maybe some stuff you didn't know or haven't heard before, which is very cool. You'll also hear a story about Triple H and defeating him and kind of being that Rocky, if you will. You know, that underdog, that upset story, which is really cool. We kind of go through the gamut and talk about his whole run. He really started in 1983 in the WWF and had his last match really kind of in 2002 as a full-time wrestler for the WWF. So 20 full years there. Then, of course, uh, working as a road agent and a producer and a lot of uh, things backstage for them for another 10-plus years. So over 32 years of service to the WWE we talk about that great journey and really I mean epic journey if you think about it to last anywhere that long is crazy Last WWF WWE for that long is just insane what a run we do go into the complete run we mentioned playing doink Kimchi Abe Knuckleball, Schwartz, the Red Knight at the infamous Survivor Series 1993 match against the Hart family. We'll talk about Vince McMahon himself. We get some great stories about him. We'll talk about the macho man, Randy Savage. We'll talk about the Ultimate Warrior. We'll talk about so many different guys in between. It's just what a run. What a fascinating run. And if you think about it, man, he wrestled and worked with everybody. We'll kind of talk about the Red Rooster Feud and Terry Taylor. Think about um, him wrestling Bret Hart, and we'll get stories about that. Owen Hart, The Rock. I mentioned Shawn Michaels, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Get a lot of awesome stuff about The Ultimate Warrior as well. So uh, sit back, relax. You're really going to enjoy uh, this one. It's a really fun interview with the absolute legend, the Brooklyn Brawler. Just want to last mention before we kind of send off over to the interview. That he will also be at Heroes Hideout in Albany, New York, the infamous Heroes Hideout. If you want more information, go to heroeshideoutny.com. That is from 12 p.m. to two p.m. on Sunday. That is Heroes Hideout, Albany, New York. And like I mentioned, the happy hour with Captain's Corner on Sunday, 920, starting at 10 a.m. And that's with our good buddy Nick. He's gonna have some awesome items for sale. So before I send it off to the interview, just want to mention other podcasts, a part of the two-man power trip of Wrestling's Podcasting Empire. You have Taskmaster Talks with Kevin Sullivan. Got Shane Douglas's Triple A Threat Podcast. You've got Trump Mania with Lavi Margolin. You have Pro Wrestling 101 with Justin Incredible. You have Rick Bassman's Talking Tough. Dr. Tom Pritchard's Taking You to School. And of course, last but certainly not least, Dutch Mantel's University of Dutch. So any and all information about the uh, two man power trip you can find at Instagram and Twitter at Two man power trip, or you can check out the website tmptempire.com. Now, without any further ado, going to send it on over to the interview with the uh, WWF legend and uh, superstar, Stephen Lombardi, aka the Brooklyn Brawler. on the line right now is a former WWF superstar and legend. You may know him as the Brooklyn Brawler, but he is, of course, Steve Lombardi. Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, John, I'm really fired up to come to Albany. It's going to be a, it's going to be one heck of a time. I yeah, you got to do it. You got a big uh, day coming up. Sorry to cut you off there, but you got a big uh, day coming up in Albany, New York. Tell us uh, You know, what you got going on, because you got a huge thing coming up at Heroes Hideout, Albany, New York, September 20th from 12 to 2 p.m.
3: That's right. I'll be doing a personal signing. We'll be doing photo ops. I'm going to have merchandise that people have never, ever thought they could get their hands on. The original Doink the Clown suit worn by Matt Bourne for the first time and then passed down to me. Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. Do you remember that character? Oh, yeah. Well, we got the first Abe Knuckleball Schwartz outfit, hat, shirt. It says Knuckleball double zero on the back with the pants. And then we got a blue Yankee shirt that says New York handwritten in the back, which I wore when I wrestled Shawn Michaels
2: for WWE World Championship. Unbelievable stuff, unbelievable chance at history there, and of course that will be a part of the virtual signing on captain's Corners Facebook live, which would be Sunday the twentieth from 10 a m to eleven a m so definitely hop on Captain's Corner to get that. What do you think about you know doing these virtual signings? and people maybe they they'll be able to meet you in person in Albany, but virtually people from all over the world are going to be able to be you know looking at you and buying this kind of cool stuff. I think it's going to be fantastic, and I think this is a collector's dream.
3: I don't think there's a person out there that is a really enthusiastic collector that would
2: not jump on those items. Totally agree. You think about the history of of not only WBF, but you and all all your time you spent there and all that stuff, I mean, that's just great stuff. How did you kind of just come to to get this stuff? I know you said from Matt Bourne and stuff. Is this just stuff you've kept from, from over the years?
3: Yeah, I I just kept everything over the years. The the problem was with Matt Bourne, he got suspended. Vince McMahon called me up at home. He told me, I need you to go to uh, Calgary, and I need you to wrestle Bret Hart. No problem, Vince. That'll be fine. He goes, but one catch. You got to be Doink the Clown. I went, well, Vince, I have no problem wrestling Bret, but the paint job is going to be the problem. He goes, ha, 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 I knew you would say that. I got it all handled. We're going to fly you to Cleveland to pick up the the Deutsch album from Matt Vaughn's wife. Then we're going to fly you to Stanford where Jill, the makeup girl is going to teach you how to do the paint job and give you all the supplies you need for the paint job. Then you're going to hop on a plane. You're going to go all the way to Calgary and you're going to wrestle Brett in the main event. I said, Vince, I'll do it. He goes, I knew
2: you would. That's how that happened. That is awesome. That's such hey, a cool story. I don't know if I've ever heard that story before. That's awesome. Yeah, nobody knows the story. Uncle Kabo Schwartz.
3: I got the idea from the movies the war the movie The Warriors. Remember that? Oh yeah, awesome movie, yep. Very similar baseball face. So do you remember Damien Demento? Yes. Crazy guy, yep. He was a he was an artist. He was a really good artist. So I said, Damien, draw me a face with a baseball on the face. And he went on a napkin. It was the simplest thing. He did it like in two minutes. Knocked on Vince's door. Showed Vince the uh, character. He looked at it. He put his glasses to the tip of his nose. He looked up. He says, I'll give it some thought. And then I used the magic words. I said, it's never been done before. Then I got, really? And that's where Uncle Knuckleball Sports was born. Now, the funny thing about the shirt is, I was in a battle royal in Madison Square Garden. Ken Shemrock was scheduled to win. Now, Ken Shemrock got injured earlier in the night. And uh, he hurt his sternum in his chest, like was bone in his chest. So all the, all the agents and the producers walk in the bench's room, and I walk in with them, and they go, Vince, Ken Shemrock can't be in a battle royal. He goes, uh, he, he's hurt. Who do, you want to, who do you want to win the battle royal? I, he, he looks up and goes, put over the Brooklyn Brawler, he's local, forgetting that he advertised the winner of the Battle Royal wrestles the world champion in the next Garden Show. Then, that was two months later. Then, that, Bret Hart was the champion. Mm-hmm. So, the Montreal Screwjob was in between that. Remember the Montreal Screwjob? Yes. Yep. So now, Sean's the champion. And Sean Michaels, Shawn Michaels was not the champion, the person today that he was yesterday. He was cocky. He was arrogant. He always would buck the system. And I I was, I was, I thought I'd lost my shot. So we're at a bar with Arnold Skolan and a bunch of wrestlers. And Arnold goes to Sean, he goes, you know who you're wrestling in the garden next month? He goes, no, who? He goes, Brooklyn Brawler right here. I said, here we go. He's going to curse me out. He goes,
2: oh my God.
3: Can you lead, Can you super kick? Can you do this? Can you do that? He was so fired up to do it, I couldn't believe it. He was he was on board 110%. We had one of the greatest matches ever because it was the origination of DX and Triple H and China were around were around the ring. It was in Madison Square Garden, 23,000 people, and I made that shirt and wore that shirt. It's a Yankee shirt. It's a blue shirt. And it's got the Yankee symbol on the left uh, chest. And it's that's a piece of
2: history right there. That is awesome. And it it's a long match too. I mean you guys take oh, no, a he lot of time it great, it's great he, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Did you see it? No, but I know a buddy of mine that was there and he's like obsessed with it, saying like it was shocking because you know you think Michael's just gonna go over on you quickly, but it's like, you know, no. a twenty minute match and it goes back and forth. He said the crowd was nuts, they really wanted you to win, they thought there might be an upset. Good stuff.
3: Yeah, he really he really did me well. I mean, you know what it's like. Shawn Michaels kicking out on two and a half. I mm-hmm.
2: mean, that's
3: insane. People, people were believing they were going to pull a Swerve and put the belt on me. It was unreal. The hunter would jump up on the on the on the apron. I would punch him. I punched Shawn. I mean, China was involved. She she almost she almost crippled me in that match. She gave me a Frankenstein and she spiked my head right into the
2: ground. I mean, you can see it on YouTube if you if you really look for it. I'm definitely I'm going to have to seek that out. That's uh, awesome stuff. And surprising at the time because, you, you know, you think, like, oh, it's going to be a short match, but it definitely isn't. And the cra- MSG crowd, your crowd, the Northeast crowd was all, you know, all over. They were loving you. Yeah, because I'm a local. I was
3: local. They were going crazy for me. They thought I was going to get beat like in one minute. But, you know, it's an interesting thing. Like when you remember the old Rocky movies, Rocky was an underdog. So what do you do? You put an underdog against a champion. That gives, that gives the intrigue to the entire match. So I would always get the big matches. i beat Triple H, you know that? Yeah, i beat Triple H. H. I was in a handicap match. It was me and Kai and Ty against Triple H, handicap. He gives the pedigree to both Kai Ty, Ty and Ty's. He goes to give it to me. Jericho hits the ring, grabs Triple H, Bulldogs, and the referee's already knocked out. He gets out. I pin Triple H, one, two, three on SmackDown. All you hear the announcers say is of I just be triple h i can't believe i'm saying this that, that's another, that's another story i got hundreds of them like that that's awesome. why I did all those podcasts i was on the i went jericho flew all the way to my house he, and we did we did it in the basement take a listen to that one hmm chris jericho uh, interviewed Brooklyn brawler who was like a year or two ago and i've done i've done so many i've done jim ross's podcast i've done uh Eric Bischoff's podcast. I've, I've done
2: so many. This is awesome to get you on this one as well because I you know, like we've, we've saying, like huge WWF legends. We're there forever. I mean, you, I think you had a streak of like thirty plus years, right? Working for the 30, WWF. For
3: thirty-two years. Thirty-two years, and that, that's tr- that's taken two to four planes a day for thirty uh, for thirty-two years.
2: No, a week. I would say a week. Because we get there when we drive.
3: So, did you, know, you
2: ever, yeah. did you ever kind of foresee that? I mean, like having to do that and do the travel when you start? Like, did you know that, you know, all the, uh, the traveling and the, how many dates you have to work? Did you know that kind of going in? Well, when I first went in, it was a Northeast Territory.
3: So, you know, basically you would go to, I was in New York, I was living in New York and Brooklyn, and then you would do all drives. You would do Washington, Baltimore, Philadelphia, and we'd go as far as uh, Buffalo, Utica, it would be all Northeast. And the first fly trip that the company did was to Pittsburgh, and that was the first plane that anybody ever
2: had. That was 30-something years ago. And then Vince had the uh, ideas of world domination, and you guys would be traveling, right, everywhere, sometimes yeah. two, two shows a day. Yeah, was, that, that does. Saturday night main
3: event, he was taking a chance on. Saturday night main event started stepping on all the promoters all over the country. The promoters all over the country didn't like it because they had their local TV, like in Memphis, in all the, in Florida, and this and that. But Vince's TV was going right in there. So he was was stepping on all the
2: promoters, and they they weren't liking it. So when you first kind of started in in the WWF, this is sort of going back to 1983. Then Vince slowly but surely is turning it into a just like a global powerhouse and just dominating. Did you kind of foresee like, okay, like Vince is going to take over the wrestling business, or are you kind of like skeptical, maybe a little bit like, I don't know about this working? I was skeptical for the fact that he, he had
3: such big ideas. and, and uh, Like the first WrestleMania was a gamble. You know, he, he gambled everything on the first WrestleMania. I think he even, um, I, don't, I don't know his personal finances, but I know he put a lot of money into it of his own. And if he lost it, it would have set back the company tremendously.
2: Oh, yeah. It be, whew, what a risk to do that. But obviously risk. it worked out. It worked out perfectly. Risk. Yeah, that's the day I met
3: Liberace, I met uh, who else? I met Joe Piscopo, I met Danny DeVito. I shook Liberace's hand at the WrestleMania party. I mean, he had a big piano ring on his, on his hand. I mean, I was meeting all kinds of celebrities. It was insane.
2: Did you think that that was going to work as far as like making it sports entertainment versus pro wrestling? Did you ever kind of think like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work either? No, I thought I thought maybe you know, you know he said we're
3: not wrestling, we don't do wrestling here. It's sports entertainment, and I got the commissioners kicked out because it wasn't it wasn't a sport. It was entertainment. It's like it's like shoulders. So everybody he was stepping on the promoters, stepping on, the, uh, on, on on everybody the commissioners. I mean, it was scary. I thought like it's, it's either gonna you know go live or die. No one knew. But Vince had a vision.
2: With Vince and and that vision, obviously, it becomes a huge global success and kind of taking over the world. But you start there as Steve Lombardi, and then years in, about 1989, they turn you into the Brooklyn Brawler. How does that come about? How do you become the Brooklyn Brawler? Well, Bobby Heenan had a certain amount of guys
3: that he was managing, like uh, Andre the Giant and uh, Kurt Henning. uh, It was about six or seven guys. Now, he needed one more guy because Terry Taylor and him had a feud. He needed one more guy that he could put against Terry Taylor because all those other guys were busy doing like other other angles. So, he pitched me. Bobby Heenan created the Brooklyn Brawler because he, he came up to me. He goes, you were wrestling. Now we're going to teach you how to make money. That's what he said. Hmm. It was funny because I didn't know what the, what the hell we were going to do. He says, Get, get a Yankee shirt because not because they like it because the people hated the Yankees then. So in the Northeast they didn't like the Yankees. So wear a way to Yankee shirt, get a black black cap. And then when, I, when the first show i come to, I remember it was Hershey, Pennsylvania. He goes, "Come in the back." He, there's like a Hershey. There's a park there, like our amusement park. He says, "You see that dirt, that muddy dirt right there? Get down and roll in it." I go, "What are you talking about?" Just listen to me. Get down and roll in it. I want you to be a dirty, a dirty Brooklynite. Somebody that's, you know, they never seen before. He's out of the streets of Brooklyn. And then my mother comes. When she sees on TV, she goes, "Why do you got to do that? You make me look like a bad mother." <laughs> she's telling me. She, she didn't want me to say it was some uh, or She wanted me to say DiCapo, Heights. I mean, I mean, I told my mother. She laughs when I tell her. I said, if I listened to everything that you told me, I would have been a
2: flop. But Bobby Heenan guided the whole thing. That is awesome. And obviously, you know, that big feud with uh, Terry Taylor culminates in WrestleMania Five when the Red Rooster defeats Heenan. What did right. you think about the Red Rooster, like that gimmick? Did you think, like, oh, Terry Taylor's a great wrestler? I, I don't know about this kind of cock-of-the-wall gimmick. Terry hated it. Terry didn't like it. But Terry's a funny guy.
3: He was in a good mood if he was winning. He was in a bad mood if he's losing. And I'll never really? forget that night at WrestleMania five. He beat, he, uh, he beat uh, Heenan, like, in two minutes. I came in the ring. I beat the hell out of Terry Taylor. Then he came up to me to come back, beat me up. I, I screwed it out. My, my cap was in the, my leather cap was in the ring. Terry Taylor throws it to the audience. So now Vince goes, let's get in the back. We're going to do some promos. We're going to do promos. Where's your leather cap? I said, uh, I, I think I lost it. He goes, you didn't lose it. Terry Taylor threw it in the audience. I said, I'm not a stooge, Vince. <laughs> I mean, these stories are, are great. Yeah. great. And then I'm not embellishing.
2: It's, in, it's incredible. Now, Britt Rooster hated that gimmick. I mean, it was was it a rib at all? i mean, like, what? Like, what was uh, up with that? It just seemed like such a
3: weird. Ki- a, a rib on the square, put it that way. It's like Dusty Rose when he got the, the gimmick with the polka dots. Yep. That was a rib on the square. You know, but, so, you know,
2: Dusty said, I'm going to get it over anyway. Yeah, Absolutely. Now, with the Brooklyn Brawl gimmick, I mean, it became very, very popular and very hated as well, like you say. Of course, with your when you're a member of the Heenan family and you're with Bobby Heenan, you're hated as well. What was right. kind of that experience like? Because it's like, okay, he, you know, he's going to make you and you're going to make money, but, boy, are you going to get a lot of heat? Yeah, because I'm, I'm wrestling with Steve Lombardi.
3: I'm working, uh, like, three. we used to do TV, three hours, three weeks, all in one building in in, uh, in Ag Hall. In Allentown, Pennsylvania. So the funny thing was I was getting beat by Paul Orndorff, by the Sheik, by Roddy Piper, by all these people. The people in the building were thinking, this guy is Superman. He keeps coming back out. He keeps coming back out. But the people at home don't see it because it's put into separate weeks.
2: So I was Superman to Ag Hall. That's a good point. Uh, at home, you just think it's a separate week. We don't even right. know, or, you know, really, until way later on that there was. Oh, there's tapings that go on, and you know, there's so many matches that go on the tapings. You, as a fan, you just think, oh, this is a live show, and you know, oh, this guy keeps losing every week. And what right. do you kind of think about that role, that quote-unquote enhancement role? I know so many guys hate that term, you know, jobber, and and maybe uh, some other people call it carpenter. What do you think about that role? I, I I enjoyed it to be honest with you. I, like one time Vince walked
3: in the dressing room and he goes, "I need somebody to put over the I don't know if it's a proper term, midget. I don't know what they say now, little people, whatever." It was a tiger, and he was going to have the savage mask on. Everybody put their head down, and I raised my hand because I knew if he has a savage mask on, it's going to give me a rub to savage.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
3: You know, and I I had no problem. I mean.
2: I had no problem being an enhancement wrestler, none at all. It did me very well in life. It is interesting that people don't even realize it, but the enhancement guys, a lot of them are like the best workers or the guys that know how to get the other guy over. How important do you think that is? Because I don't think a lot of people realize how important that role is. Well, it's very important. Like When Ultimate Warrior came in, he was the dingo warrior. He was just sitting
3: there, sitting there, sitting there. They said, throw him in with the Brooklyn baller. If he, if, he, if he doesn't kill the Brooklyn baller, we'll push him. You hmm. know, and then <laughs> it, it, it's crazy. Yeah. You know, the Warrior later on in, the, in his career, he, you know, was on the outs with WWE, and then, and, and then they made up they were going into the Hall of Fame. So I walk into Warrior's uh, dressing room, and he's all alone. I walk in, he starts crying. He goes, I was just thinking about you. He goes, they put that DVD t- uh, t- tape out uh, that knocked me. Everyone knocked me, but you're the only one on the disc that talked nice about me. I said, Jim, I produced the disc. I says, and I would not say a bad word about you. He goes, well, you better be prepared to stand up in the Hall of Fame tonight. because I'm going to tell that story where they told... Told, they were going to tell me that you're going to beat me to test my attitude, and you took me in the room, and you, you smartened me up and told me to just say anything you want. He goes, and I'm going to let everybody know. I said, don't do that, Jim. I'm still working for the company. That's not going to – he goes, it was 30 years ago. It was. 30... I said, Jim, you, you see my point? Mm-hmm. If he said that, Vince is going to look at uh, – we're going to look at each other and say, we can't tell Lombardi anything. Sorry, right. he he didn't. But he made me stand up, and he said I took a lot of his abuse, and I always kept a good attitude. So, and then he died two days later.
2: Mm, yeah, very very tragic. But as far as him and that relationship, did you guys have a good relationship? Oh, a great relationship. You have a flat
3: tire on the side of the road with a with a rental car. There's a limo pulling up. Get in put all our bags in his limousine call the rental car people to pick up their car and he takes us off in his limousine I mean the guy was the guy was a great guy misunderstood he, misunderstood like you walk in the dressing room and you go oh shit I want to shake everybody's hand again I just shake your head last night you know everybody. and he had a separate dressing room mm-hmm. you know he was just you know
2: he was just like not like the other guys is that kind of frowned upon to have your own separate dressing room with you know within the boys in the locker room?
3: Well, you know, they'll say oh donna, this and that, but still, you know I mean he was told they, they did it automatically, he didn't ask for it. But uh he's a, he was a great guy. I will always speak highly of him. And I had his I wrestled him forty seven days straight. You know, days off then wrestle, days off then wrestle. He knocked me out twice by accident. I mean, you know what it's like? You grab a overhead wrist lock, you throw it like a hammer lock, and then it gives me an elbow to the, to the temple. Mm-hmm. And it was a real elbow. <laughs> it, I was out cold. Did you ever get knocked out?
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. You feel like it's like an hour, but it's like two seconds, three seconds. Yes. So, so so many stories.
2: Yes. The warrior, I guess, can be a little uh, too aggressive, I guess, with uh, his oh, intensity. Yeah. Yeah, very much. You just got to keep pounding
3: on him. You could get out of breath just pounding on his back as he gets you get stronger, because you got to stay on him, stay on him, stay on him, stay on him. And then he starts giving you these clotheslines and taking your head off. Then he lifts you up above his head and then he walks walks out in walks out in front of him and lets you fall. It's unbelievable. I
2: feel like you I mean, wrestled. I love it. Yeah, and I feel like you wrestled literally like everybody, right? I mean, uh, I had first Man, matches. Like, yeah. Oh, I wrestle Macho Man.
3: He loved me. Monster Man was very high strung, but I enjoyed wrestling him. He was intense. So I had the Rocks very first match of his whole career. Did you know that?
2: I actually did not. I thought he may have had it against Dr. Tom, because you know how they usually put Dr. No. Dr. Tom in there with no. a lot of guys.
3: It was, it was me, straight from the football when he got injured. His dad trained him at home. He wrestled me in Corpus Christi, Texas in 1996. He even tweeted it out. He says, 18,000 strong. This is a legend that I wrestled. I have a picture with me and him facing off in a boxing stance. And uh, you could have dropped a pin. Nobody reacted to him. I said to myself, oh, another jock. You know, because all the, all the football players and the bodybuilders that come in, they're usually terrible. But he hit it, everything, double frogs. this, that. He was hitting everything on the money. He got a contract the next day. And he wasn't happy. Then we go out to dinner, and he says, "I'm not happy." He goes, "I wanted more." I go, "They don't know who you are. No one knows you. They didn't know he was going to be the big superstar, right?" And the they just tell push- him as Rocky Johnson's kid, right. So now they're going to give him a push. So they call him Rocky Matadilla. That was how it started, and the, and the whole audience was turning on him. Rocky sucks. Rocky sucks. And then he would get come to come back and address me. And he'd be like, I don't understand. I don't understand why they're doing this to me. he telling me I suck when I'm trying hard. The day he became the rock, the superstar that he is, he walked out in the arena into the ring, and he says,
2: you know, all you
3: people, you're yelling out, Rocky sucks. All I can say is, it doesn't matter what you people think. Boom. We love you now. You know what I mean? The way he said it. Yeah, that's you know, you know, that, that attitude he had, and then the, the rock was born. Then after that, it was all
2: cruise control. So a lot of the guys, like you know, like the rock, you're saying first match, is that you know to test them out, or, or you're, or do they say, hey, we want you to wrestle, and let me know what you think. Are they? Is it almost like you're kind of like uh, the resume, or like the uh, the HR yeah, the guys, person, you know, in yeah. the interview? You know, is that is that what you are are basically to these
3: guys? If you have if you if you have a good match with me, then you, you could have a good match with anybody. Now I had Mark Henry's first match. I had Ricky Steamboat's first match. I had Owen Hart's first match in WWF at the time. I had Bret Hart's first match in WWF. I had I mean I it just keeps going on and on. Any new guy that came in. Now where it started where Steve Lombardi started getting some offense was with Ricky Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat came in, I looked, they used to put a paper on the wall, and they say you're against this guy, you're against this guy, Book uh, Steve Lombardi against Ricky Steamboat, I went, holy shit, so I go, Mr. Steamboat, I'm wrestling you tonight, he goes, are you green, I says, pretty much, yeah, he goes, well, I'll tell you, I do not beat dish dishrags, he goes, I'm going to give you just as much as I would give someone else, and don't let up, just go for it. So now he's, he's double leapfrogging me. Up to, when the second leapfrog, he turns around, I close on his head off. I mean, and then, and then, and then all of a sudden, Steve Lombardi becomes more than an enhancement guy because Ricky Steamboat just, just got to run for his money.
2: Makes sense. And then it looks like Steamboat beat somebody instead of beating nobody, right?
3: It's the truth. If you go in the ring and you just beat the hell out of somebody and just don't let them get anything in, what did you beat? Yeah, that's true. He, he knew it. But the other wrestlers didn't think like that. But they did it afterwards with me. After that, every wrestler started giving me something, giving me something, giving me something. That's the that evolution
2: begins. So I'm telling you, the stories are endless. Yeah. So I guess if Steamboat can give you some offense, I can give you some offense. I do you know, so on and so on. If I went to ring with you, I would walk up to you, I would shove you,
3: shove your chest, I'd shove you twice, and then you would shove me, and I would take a back bump. Then all of a sudden, holy shit, I just built you. But if I shove you, and I shove you twice, and you go, and you take the, and you fall to your back, you're nothing. You know, give me some, mm-hmm. give me some competition. I don't, I don't want him. It's very interesting. It's the whole psychology to the whole business. That's why I can't wait to come to Albany just to see these fans, and and I, I, I know they're gonna. They're going to hear this before I get there, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So when they hear this, let me tell you something. Those items that I'm bringing to Albany are priceless. Priceless. You know, I have a picture. I have a picture sent to me by The Rock. That's about two feet by by two feet. It's got him hip tossing me in the first match he ever had. And the gold plate in the bottom, it says, at $7 in a glass, it says, I had $7, Steve. I had $7 to my name when I got in the business. I can never thank you enough. That's what he said. He was worth $7. Wow.
2: I'm telling you, it's crazy. Now he has that $7. Uh, $7 production. Seven, seven bucks, yeah, $7. production. Bucks, bucks, bucks yeah. yeah. yep, yep, he yep, has that now, picture of the, uh, the $7 above, uh, I guess he just bought the XFL. So he's got the picture yeah. of the $7 above all the XFL stuff, yeah. And, and last year he made $87 million. He's the highest-paid
3: actor in Hollywood. Yeah, number one. He's got his own production company. He finances his own movies. It's like Tom Cruise. He's got to get, like, uh, Gate or, uh, you know, one of those companies to finance him. Rock finances himself.
2: Now, what happens if you go back in time and he's got a bad match with Brawler and, uh, you know, maybe all this doesn't happen, right? If he had a bad
3: match with me, it might have happened later because his look was tremendous. You know, he he was 260 pounds, good-looking guy, you know, fucking smile, million-dollar smile. I'm not saying that there would be no Rock if he didn't wrestle me.
2: What I'm saying is it
3: sped it up a little.
2: Yes. Now, you mentioned having all this awesome stuff. Captain's Corner on Facebook has posted the pictures. They are on here, so... I see Doink the Clown's original outfit, which is unbelievable. And that uh, is me. And that's me. That is awesome. Look at that. It's very cool. Did you see that Abe Knuckleball Schwartz, Schwartz picture? Yes, Abe Knuckleball Schwartz is on there. I mean, this is uh, this is hit wrestling history. Uh, I think if you're going to be a part of this uh, happy hour on 920 at 10 a.m., you better get there early and you better bid high because uh, there's some great stuff. Yeah, I guess it's it'll... Uh, the increments will increase by twenty dollars each time, but you better uh, you better saddle up if you're a real good collector and real fan because this is awesome.
3: The is original it costume, me,
2: is, is it picture with me with uh,
3: Sean Michaels on there too?
2: That one I do not see as of yet, but uh, I know I think he's going to post it. Hopefully, sometime today. That is awesome as well, the Shawn Michaels shirt, the the, the Brooklyn Brawler. I mean, this, just just uh, some unbelievable pieces of history here, and it's all thanks to. The one, Steve Lombardi, the Brooklyn Brawler, right?
3: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, that's my that's my state, New York.
2: So, is, it always, uh, is it always a always a happy reunion when you come back to the Northeast? Always, always my favorite place to come to New to New York. I wrestled in Albany hundreds of times. Gotta mention this again, of course, Heroes Hideout. Go to HeroesHideout New York dot com. That is heroeshideoutny.com. NY dot com. September twentieth from twelve to two, you'll be doing a actual signing with actual fans, which is awesome to hear, which is very cool. And then of course, like we mentioned earlier that day on the tw- on the twentieth at ten A. M. the happy hour with Abe Knuckleball short stuff, Brooklyn Brawler stuff, the original to the Climb. There's so much good stuff on this auction. It's just unbelievable. But Mr. Lombardi, we let you just, I was just curious. I mean, you've done so many things in your career. I mean, you've had backstage roles as producers and agents and right. everything in between in the WWE. What do you think, and obviously 30 years of wrestling and still wrestling uh, to this day, what do you think is kind of the, the legacy of the Brooklyn Brawler?
3: The legacy is the Brooklyn Brawler always got the job done no matter what was asked. He go out there and
2: give 100%. Now let's not forget this. Not only did you pan Abe Knuckleball Schwartz and Kim Chi, but also the Red Knight from the uh, Survivor oh, Series in 1993. You, you, so yeah, you, you can't forget that. that. Yeah, I got
3: yeah, I got that thing in the closet somewhere. Yeah, that was the Red Knight. Yeah, you we wore masks. There was like three nights on. Uh, I think it was Lawler's side, and I, I
2: forget I forget the exact details of the match, but I was a Red. Shawn Michaels supposed to be Lawler, but. Uh, he had, I guess, some legal problems. So then Michaels replaced him. So we end up being Michaels' team versus the Hearts. Okay. Yeah, I remember it. that was years and years ago. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a hell of a, it. Was a hell of a ride. What an awesome run for the Brawler! Thirty plus years in the WB, which is unbelievable. If you just sit there and think, like, wow, the number one wrestling company in the world, you were there for thirty years. We literally wrestled. Anyone who's everyone had a lot of people's first matches like The Rock, got guys like The Ultimate Warrior over quite a damn career, if I, uh, you know, I must say so looking back. it sure was. Now, uh, tell everybody to follow me on Twitter, Brawler
3: Real. Follow me, and if they referenced the, uh, the event that I'm doing, I will follow Awesome stuff. Nice.
2: Mr. Brooklyn umbrella Steve Lombardi, thank you so much for all the time today, and good luck this weekend in Albany, New York. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.
0: you know what the only difference is between the brooklyn brawler and every other wrestler in the wwf that is i never learned on a mat wrestling holes wrestling move i never cared about that i always learned in the street where it counted where it really meant survival and let me tell you something the only reason i came to the wwf was not to wrestle it was to inflict pain, which I love to do! That's my life! My life is watching other people suffer, and loving every minute of it! So anybody, I, I, I leave an open challenge to anyone! If you want a piece of me, I don't care who it is, I'll be right here waiting! I won't back down from anyone, anytime, place.